things that I would address, but I'll take your questions first. Any questions? Brother Parker, go ahead. Yes, sir, there is. Yeah. <laughs> Brother Parker. All right, um, the church is a place of um, ethics and morals, and we understand that Jesus went into the temple with the money lenders and ripped it up. So what is the standing in the church of, let's say, dirty money, drug money? We know God can take all things. He can make your enemy your footstool, but what is the church's Right. Like okay, so there's first of all, I think that's a term that we have coined. Uh -huh. Oh, yes, yes. That's a term that we've coined, uh, dirty money. The idea of tithing is not where the money came from, but it is the intent of the heart when we give it. Um, have you ever found any money? Did you give out of it? Okay. If you found $100, is that increase? Would you give 10 out of it? Do you know where it came from? Because you found it. It's the purity of the heart. Now, I can take clean money, if we want to use that term, and make it dirty. I can take money that I'm giving and give it for the wrong reason. When I give it for show, I just took something that was earned out of purity and I made it, if I want to call it dirty money, I made it bad in my intent, okay? And there's a, a passage in the book of Mark that we're going to talk about a little bit today that kind of speaks to that, that addresses that a little bit. But as for now, still, and I hope that responds to your question adequately, okay? Uh, so... Make it quick and short and plain. If you win at the casino or the lottery, please tithe, okay? Please give a tenth to the church. We will clean it up for you. And put it, I'll put it to a good clean use, okay? I'll put it to a good clean use. Matter of fact, I'll name it clean. Uh, I'll say, we're going to have the clean living ministry, uh, all right? Okay, but... Even, and I'll say this to, to, to uh, further answer your question, um, even if we put money from, um, you know, people who sell illegal items and we take money to try to help people get out of trouble from that, that is a good use of that resource, all right? Other questions? Yes. Pam Addison. Pastor Norm, can you substitute time and talent for tithes? You can't substitute it, but it should be given alongside it and with it. It's a part of. Now, if you don't have physical resources to give, you should make every effort to give time anyway. There are some things that Christ says to us. He says, these things ye ought have done. Uh, verse 23 of Matthew 23. He said, these things are not mutually exclusive of each other. They should be done alongside one another. Amen. Uh, so it's not like, you know, it's like the husband and wife relationship. You know, you don't get a pass uh, because you wash the car and you say, well, I washed the car, so can I stay out all night? No. I mean, you should have washed the car, nut. I mean, you're supposed to wash the car. Uh, you're supposed to cut the grass, right? 
You're supposed to, whatever duties you all share mutually, you know, in your homes, you're supposed to do that as a part of this covenant, but that doesn't give you license to not do something else or to go do something outside of the covenant. All right? So, yes, good question. Next question. Yes. Good morning. Good morning. I've been an avid tither ever since I was 13 years old when I got my first summer job. Bless you. But um, I was in the break room this past week, and two of the teachers, I'm a teacher, one was saying that she was going to get back to tithing because she wanted to get back to the Lord in the right way, and another one walked over and said that her pastor had told her that um, he'd rather that his members um, give up the time, like the, the sister just said, and bless him with the needs in the church instead of coming back to him after they give their tithes and need money to pay their bills. He said, I'd rather you pay your bills. I disagreed with them subtly because I don't do any arguing about people's views, but I believe in tithing 10% of earnings, but that's what the other one said, give up your time. Mm -hmm. I Amen. just want your response on that. Uh, I want that pastor, let me know who it is, so I never invite him over here to preach. Uh, thanks, now. So I never invite him over here to preach, uh, but no, that's, I, I think, and, and I'm going to deal with something in the book of Mark today that helps us with that in a moment as to priority of God versus this whole system. And then, how many of you were at the 745 sermon? All right, so you heard the message that the tithe is based on the gratitude, right? And did I, did I show you in scripture very clearly where Jacob's response was out of gratitude, right? Uh, Tracy, he's over here. There he is right there. <laughs> yeah, she's looking around. I thought she was going to do one of them owl moves next. She's looking for you, Mike. So, yeah, um, I, I would say to that person, no, we are supposed to tithe, and that our time is an aside also that we should appropriate. Now, the piece that he's saying I'd rather for you to uh, give your time than to tithe and then come back and borrow from it. That's another issue. Yeah. That's budgeting, finance, and appropriation of resources. And then we also taught on last week that if you were in a position where you needed to redeem a part of your tithe, God doesn't say you can't. He, matter of fact, he says if a person needs to redeem a part of their tithe. So that's the recognition that God is aware that we sometimes find ourselves in these straits or these moments. Um, you know, I, I think sometimes it, it, God is even more liberal with it than we think. Um, so if I'm in a situation where I need to take part of my tithe and do something with it, then I can do that. But when it's time for me to give that part of my tithe, add the fifth part, which is 2% of the 10, or 2% of the part that I used, Right? Because if I gave, if my tithe was $100, right? And I gave 50, but I needed to use 50. So when I tithe off of, when I give the 50, I give the fifth part of the 50, not the fifth part of the 100. Got it? Because I've already given the 50. And so God is not, there's not this litigious rule system that the Lord's saying, you know, this, that, or the other. It's from the heart. Yeah. Okay. Next question. Yes, sir. And yes, sir. Did you have another question, Mike? Okay. I didn't see you. I'm sorry. 
Go ahead, P.O., and then I'll come to Mike. Good morning. Pastor, I had a question. I hear people preaching about the blessings, but when you do tie, how the door be open. But then it said, you're under a curse, the whole nation. Does it name any other curses that happens if you don't pay your tithes? Well, the curse had been, the pr first of all, the presence of the Lord not being there in the, in the land of the people and the blessings that come with the presence of the Lord. The Lord sometimes, and there are several things that are spoken of in Old Testament manners, where the land did not produce, uh, the fields had no harvest, the, the fig tree, the vine, the grapes did not give up there. Uh, and these were, these were agricultural or uh, agronomy terms where people, I'm sorry? Right, it, yeah, there was a time that they were barren, uh, so forth, even in, in Old Testament. It was a way that the Lord was not releasing the natural produce or the natural productivity of a person's life. And I want you to see that also, anybody ever felt like you were working and not getting ahead? Okay. That is a way sometimes when the Lord is calling our attention into our finances. I've seen people, I've talked to couples who had three jobs among two people and were living with other folk and could not make ends meet. They could, I mean, you just, I mean, it was like the Lord confuses the language of the, the Babylonian tower. It's like, it's okay, I'm going to confuse your finances. You, you, it's not going to make sense. And they could not get things under control. But the Lord shows in other ways, uh, in Joel chapter 2, he said, I'm going to hold back the devourer. I'm going to hold back the locust. He said, everything that has been consuming your productivity and, and making you run on the hamster wheel, I'm going to put that stuff under my control, and then you see what happens. You're blessed. You're just keeping more of what you produce. That's all. I'd like to keep more of what I produce, amen? All right. And if I can keep more of what I produce, which means sometimes the Lord regulates my mind in spending. Right? Lord, regulate your mind. How many of us got a Walmart and a Target habit of going in to buy one thing and coming out with 10? Lord, regulate my mind, amen? I'll do that sometimes. I'll walk into Walmart. Look, I was out of town. I was out of town. In Mississippi, I, I forgot some toothpaste. I was traveling. I said, I'm going to run by Walmart. I'm going to go over to the little travel section, and I'm going to get one little $1.89 worth of toothpaste. Then I'm going to get back in my truck and go on and do what I got to do. I came out of there with, uh, with just-in-case toothpaste. I might as well go and get 10 tubes of this. I got 10 little deodorants just-in-case. Then I went over there, and I bought some of this, and I started buying stuff. End up buying a steamer so I can steam my clothes. And then I started asking myself, what the hell am I in here for? <laughs> I had most stuff, you know, that I didn't need, right? Lord, regulate that spending thing with me, all right? Ray and then uh, Brother Parker. I guess it's more of a comment. And it's hitting on what you were saying. Tithing is the beginning of your budget. Right. It starts from there. You can always look and see where you are when you tithe. You know your budget, where to start from, and you know where you can spend your money on. Everyone spends frivolously, especially everyone loves Starbucks. They can see that, hey, if I tithe, 
then maybe I can go a few days, few weeks without doing Starbucks. It's, that's just a comment that I was saying. What are you saying about Starbucks again? <laughs> no, I'm you just know, kidding. You know. Everybody knows I have a Starbucks addiction, amen. But now here's what I've done, and I will respond to that. I, you know, I know you weren't talking about me, but I, I even thought about that in proportion to what I give so that I could give more to the Lord how much coffee I buy, right? So I buy Starbucks coffee every day, all right, every day. So it's about a $3 a day habit, right? So here's what I decided to do. I have now, I pay my bills on a Starbucks credit card, right? And then I pay off the credit card so I have no interest. But for every dollar I spend on a Starbucks credit card, they give me one point. I have to pay my utility bill every month, right? I have to pay certain insurances and other fixed bills, phone bills and stuff. So I pay them on my Starbucks credit card, which I pay nothing for. And when I get one point, for every point I get, it takes 50 points for a cup of coffee, yes, sir. right? <laughs> I now have, mm -mm. devil is a lie, I got 15,000 at least. <laughs> I haven't paid for coffee in over two or three years. And then when people give me coffee cards, I add them to it and the balance goes up. So I figured out how to get free coffee for the rest of my life, right? Keep paying my bills, right? And so those are things that you do to make God a greater priority in your giving and then to re retain more of your giving, right? To retain more of what you work for. I have 15,962 points. It takes 50 points to get a cup of coffee. That's about a 300 free cups of coffee, right? And I'm going to keep doing that so I can keep going up. And they never expire. Right? I'm going to be drinking coffee till Jesus come back. <laughs> Brother Parker? Redeeming your tithes. So the example you gave was going out of town so you weren't able to do it. But are you really redeeming at that point or just not at a situation? You've already set God's money aside and you're going to give him his when the um, opportunity prevails itself. but So is that really redeeming? So do you have to pay the two on the 10 on that one? Well, the, we got electronic giving now, so we, we can answer that question. Right, I can, but I think since the word called it redeeming, the Bible said redeeming it, right? Meaning if a man has to use a part of it, if a person has to use part of it for anything, whatever the method of payment or redemption is, it, you know, the Lord knows that we might sometimes fall into a space where we have to use part of it, right? All right, so there's a, there's a, a, a priority of God that says, look, if you have to use part of it, I understand it, but also just keep up with what you're doing and give that part back. Well, if you're not able to physically give and you set it aside and it's still there, then just give it when you get back. I mean, God is not sitting up talking about, oh, you missed the first Sunday. Oh, I'm going to get you for that, right? You're supposed to give $100 and you're not there, then you can't give it. I found myself, but can I also say this? Did you know you were going out of town? All right, then come by the church and give it before you leave. I mean, there, there are many ways, like you said. I think it's all about our personal priority when it comes to that, all right? Okay, let's keep going. Any other questions? Yes, there's a question behind you over there. 
Um, this is, I don't know if this is a simple question, but we'll find out. If, um, if you pay off your gross, you're paying your tithe off your gross, when you retire and you have Social Security coming in, should you or, I guess, is the tithe required off of that Social Security since you paid it off of gross? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But then I think you're also in an area of if, if you've retired, is that a blessing? Are you grateful? I'm, I'm tithing and I'm, I'm giving my sermon today. I'm giving because I'm grateful. Right? I'm giving because I'm grateful. And that's just it. It's out of gratitude in which we see it. And, and I think sometimes we get to a point or a place in life um, that we, we can start counting with God. And I'm going to say this to everybody in here. Don't get technical with God and count with God. You can't match it. You can't beat him giving, right? If you start trying to think about, well, should I give off this? Should I give? And your heart is saying give, give. Freely give is what the Lord says to us. Freely give, all right? One more question. Yes, sir. When I was gone a couple years, you know, I got in jail, Elder Harris, you know, my other pastor, he says, uh, it was something going on at the church next door, and it was towed up. And we went over there and looked at it, and you had members saying, well, this needs to be fixed, and we're going to get contractors. I said, Elder Harris, we're going to fix this. And we fixed it. And he said, don't struggle with somewhere to stay. As soon as I get this joke out of my guest house, you can stay there. You know, I always keep a dog. The dog got him out of there. He said, Barry, go out there and stay till you get yourself together. I always tried to pay rent. He wouldn't let me. All the money I snuck to his wife, they took my daughter out, you know. So that's how the tithing worked out there. I mean, I paid tithes when I could. But like you say, leading on into your own understanding, that's just the way it worked. You know, if you, like you say, when you, like we, I asked the question last Sunday, you give what? Your exceed. You know, if I come up like out at West Canaan at Mama's Church, Mm -hmm. Good Friday, I just felt like cooking. Me and my daddy used to barbecue all the time, so what? I cooked dinner for uh, that Friday night. They said, how much did that cost? I said, who are you talking to? They said, but they had to cost something. Why it got something to do with you? I got a little small mouth. Don't worry about what it cost me. Just eat. You right. Know? But I feel so, like if the Lord blessed me and I feel like giving it away, take it. All you right, know? So, so I think you hit the key point that I want to start with this morning. Turning your Bibles to Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. An intent of the heart is revealed in Mark chapter 7 where people were giving and they were giving wrong. Because sometimes people give and we give and we think, you know, I'm doing this great thing, right? Mark chapter 7, um, I think is where I want us to be. Is that right? Where Corban is there? So in Mark chapter 7, Jesus is having a conversation with the Pharisees, and um, a powerful thing happens. Let me see if I can get to it. Verse 11. Okay, no, I'm going to go even higher. Um, he's talking about what defiles a man. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. 
The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. Kosher is a lot of this process, is where you get this word kosher. There are kitchens that are set up in hotels and places around the world where Jewish people eat, and they have to eat an orthodoxy from the kosher kitchens, okay? All right, so the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? Now, Jesus realizes that this is kind of a set-up trick question. And he replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites, as it is written. These people honor me with their lips, but their what? Again, every time you start seeing this thing about real giving and true giving, there's an association to the heart, right? What God is after is the heart. Where a person's heart is, their treasure naturally follows, right? Anybody in love with anybody and you ever bought them a gift you couldn't afford? Come on, let me see your hand, right? Married 20 years and still paying for the wedding ring because I love you. Still got the girl, she's still wearing the ring, but you ain't paid it off yet. You just, you wanted to be impressive. You just loved her, amen? Uh, so yeah, that happens. And so he said, they worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Watch verse 8. You have let go of the commands of God and holding on to the human traditions. Here's what's about to happen. They're about to elevate giving to the church above their own family. And he continued, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say, if anyone declares what might have been used to help their father or mother is korban, that is, it is devoted to the treasury of God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father or their mother. So now watch this. This is a good example of giving, isn't it? What they have done is that they've said, all right, I got $100,000, right? My mama needs to go and get some specialized care from the doctor, and that's going to cost $20,000. Mama is old, right? And I don't want to spend my $20,000 on mama, so what do I declare? Well, this money has been set aside for the temple treasury. That's what Corban means, set aside for the temple treasury. They were so big on making it like, well, I promised this to God, right? But the word says, honor your mother and your father, right? So you would declare, well, I ain't got it. Knowing all the time I have it, but I don't want to use it for that. So that's an example of giving the wrong way. And God doesn't honor that. So you're telling me if I see you hungry and I'm going to church with my $10 tithe, it, God wants me to walk past you hungry, right? And say, well, I'm sorry, you bleeding and hungry and on the road. I got to go get this $10 to the Lord. Lord said, wait a minute. 
Don't be senseless about this. Take care of her, right? And make sure she's okay. Don't set up a system in your own heart to say, I'm going to be doing this. I'm just looking for ways to do that. But he's saying, don't walk past what you see and know to be true, calling yourself holy to give to me. Right? Look at it very closely. He does this with them. And if you research this word korban or korbanas, where it comes from, it is to be dedicated to the temple treasury. But here's what they would do. Remember I told you mom was old, right? So as soon as mom died, guess what happened? It was no longer dedicated to, it was dedicated. It was promised. It hadn't been released yet. It was a pledge, right? But as soon as mom died, what did they do? They went and got it back, right? And Jesus said, you keep all the traditions. You're so big on the, the outward stuff. It's the intent of your heart that messes you up. He said, it's not the outward actions of washing your hand that defiles a man. It's the stuff that comes out of you. It's the schemes and the little tricks you make up on the inside that causes you to be defiled. He said, because God knows what? Your heart, right? God knows your heart, right? Sometimes we just don't want to do stuff, ain't that right? And we'll come up with every reason in the world. I done quit lying to people about stuff. I have. I, I, I have. I, I used to, you know, I, I had a, uh, and I'm thanking God. I'm, you know, Lord has blessed me to have, and I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to have it. And uh, I used to have folk call me, and I need this. And, you know, they come up with the saddest stories in the world, right? Your family, your friends, everybody come up with it. And then I come up with a lie. Well, I can't give it to you because uh, next week I'm going to have to fix one of the tires on a car that ain't been broke yet. You know, I come up with a lie, right? Uh, next week, I'm on, I mean, I, the kids, I got to pay tuition, right? I done paid tuition 10 times and it's already there. You know what I say now? Nope. You ain't going to help a brother out? Nope. Ain't no sense in lying. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to, and, and if the Lord places it on my heart to do, I'm going to pray about it and I'm going to do it. And then I'm more likely to give it to you than to loan it to you. Because if you say you want me to loan it to you and you don't pay me back, we got a problem. And if the Lord tells me to release it to you and don't look for it back, then if you give it back to me, it's a blessing. But I'm going to check with God first. How many of us have made some loans to some folk we didn't pray about? Come on. Uh-huh. You mad as hell, ain't you? I'm going to pray for you right out to church. Right? You ain't got it back yet? You ain't got it back? She said, lay hands on her now. Amen. She said, don't wait out to church. Amen. And, and, and that's not, I mean, it happens, right? And so it is the intent of the heart that Jesus is looking at in these passages of Scripture that he says, even if you come here with, you know, I'm, I'm a tither. You know, we used to have this thing called all tithers stand, right? All tithers please stand, right? And all the tithers would stand up proudly, right? Like this right here, right? All tithers come. Walk over folk like this, right? Didn't say excuse me or nothing because you had your envelope, right? And you're going to make your sachet to the altar, you're going to give your tithe, right? But you didn't speak to people. 
You demonstrated arrogance. So what the Lord was saying, I don't love that so much that this is important. The priority of giving doesn't impress God. And we can put the tithe above God. And what the Lord says to us is all I'm saying to mankind is first fruits means when it comes to you, think of me first. Be, look, one of the things that God reminds us to do as after you hear the morning sermon is, and I'm going to say it to you this way, when you wake up from the dream, right, when you wake up from the dream, whatever it is in your life, whatever phase of life you've been going through, whatever stuff that you did wrong or forgot about, whatever place in life where you thought you were rolling high and you hit the bottom, when the dream comes to an end, realize that it was the Lord that sustained you. And when you realize that it was the Lord that sustained you, what do we do when we give a reciprocity and gratitude? We give back to what sustained us. It was not a problem for me to take care of my mother because my mother took care of me. It was one of the easiest things in the world to do. I mean, I found no stress in doing what was a difficult job. It was no problem for me to take care of my father when I had to take care of him, whatever I had to do. It was when dad said he needed it. He gave me life, man. And when you think about that, and, and, you know, that they do for you what they do for you out of the, you know, just the ability that they have, doing it. You don't have a problem. How many of y'all have ever given to St. Jude, but you've never had a sick child? Amen. They do good work, don't they? How many of you donate to your alumni association? Come on. Because they gave you a degree and you know you don't deserve it. I mean, I, I couldn't spell, you know, cat, dog, and, and frog. Amen. And Morehouse College, I can go somewhere and say Morehouse College and people say, oh, he's a Morehouse man. Oh, let him in. I've gotten some places just because I went to Morehouse. So, yeah, I give them back a little something. Because the value of my experience and my degree is shaped my life. I learned so much at that school about what a black man's role should be in the world. I donate back to that. You know, you give to your sorority, you give to your fraternity because of the fellowship and the various things that you associate with, the benefit that it gave to you. So then if we see life as a gift from God, why is giving back to the church so hard? I'm, I marvel at what foundations raise over good causes. Um, the, what was that challenge they did for you to go to where you're dumping ice on folks? Ice bucket challenge for ALS challenge. How many of y'all did the challenge? The pole, yeah, in some way you did it or took the challenge. How many, now, the same people, hold your hand up again. You, you took the challenge. Do you have ALS? Do you know anybody with ALS? You just took the challenge, right? You saw it as a worthy cause to raise money for the people with ALS, right? All right, I took the challenge. I don't know anybody with ALS. I don't have ALS. What is ALS? Right, it's a muscular neural disease like Lou Gehrig's or something like that. Is it the same? Lou Gehrig's disease? That's what I understand it to be. I want to be right on that. But here's the idea. I saw it as a worthy cause to give back to. And so I stood somewhere and let somebody dump ice on me. All right? So I tell you what, I don't want anybody else to tie. Just let me dump a bucket of ice on you in service one Sunday. You come up front and just let me dump a bucket of ice on you. I said, no, nah, you mess up my hair. That's worth my tithe right there. Some of y'all said, I'll go ahead and tithe. 
All right, Nairon said, give me the number again. $220 million worldwide. $220 million worldwide was raised by people dumping ice on folk, right? Because after the ice, you're supposed to get some money. Right, after you get ice dumped on, you get money, right? Worldwide. For people who thought that was a good cause. How many of y'all thinking sending kids to college is a good cause? How many of you think uh, helping the homeless is a good cause? Uh, how about toys for kids at Christmas is a good cause? Keeping utility bills on in the winter from people, yeah, good cause. Uh, will you give me $220 million to help do that? <laughs> That's my point. The, the idea of what Christ is saying to them is you're keeping a tradition, you're keeping a wrong tradition more than anything, right? You're keeping a tradition uh, and you're really trying to keep some traditions and not all of them. And so that idea of being so sanctimonious in our giving that we don't see the needs of humanity around us, God doesn't want that either. God doesn't want that either, right? So he wants us to, to give as a priority to him and then bring it to the storehouse that it might be meat in my house. I want to give you another couple of passages of Scripture that I want you to see. Um, go to Psalm 50. Verse 12. Verse 7, I'm going to start right there. People have a psalm, this is a psalm of Asaph. Psalm said, uh, listen my people and I will speak. I will testify against you Israel. I am God, your God. You got that? Mm -hmm. I bring no charges against you concerning your sacrifices or concerning your burnt offerings which are ever before me. I have no need of a bull from your stall or goats from your pens. For every animal of the forest is mine. The cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the insects in the field are mine. Look at what God says. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. For the world is mine and all that is in it. So what is the Lord saying? He's saying, now look, I don't have a, no, it, you, I don't have a problem with you against your offerings. And this is one time we're saying, I don't have a problem with the nation and what they're giving, right? He said, you're giving, but look, he said, I do not eat the flesh of bulls nor drink the blood of goats. Sacrifice, thank offerings to God, fulfill your vows to the Most High, and call on me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you will honor me. But to the wicked person, God says, what right have you to recite my laws or take my covenant on your lips? Watch what he says. You hate my instruction and cast my words behind you. The Lord would rather for us to be in a heartfelt relationship than to go through rituals and practices that honor him outwardly, but we don't honor him inwardly. And bring the tithe all day, right? You bring the money all day and then treat people the way you want to treat them. Bring the tithe all day and then you know, don't love your family like you're supposed to. What good is it? The Lord said, hey, man, you can't walk. Look, a, a person who does not take care of his family is worse than an infidel. infidel. That's scripture. Yeah. And so he's saying, look, so you bring all your money to church, but you disregard your family. That's not right. Mm -hmm. So the Lord said, get it in balance. That's what he's saying to them. But what to the, uh, uh, verse 18, when you see a thief, you join with him and throw in your lot with the adulterers. You use your mouth for evil, so forth, so on, so forth, so on. You just read all the way down. Um, 
Those who sacrifice thank offerings honor me, and to the blameless I will show my salvation. At the end, he says in verse 22, consider this, you uh, who forget God, and I will tear you to pieces, and no one will rescue you. But those who sacrifice offerings to me and to the blameless, I will show salvation. So he's saying, don't be, he said, give and seek not to be guilty of these other things, yeah. right? It's now, some of them we might fall into, but he says, seek to avoid them, all right? So in those two passages, what's your discussion points? What are your thoughts? All right, good. Acts of the heart. Never elevate the tithe above God. That's the point that I want to bring into this. Never elevate the tithe above God. All right? Next passage I want you to go to. Haggai, chapter 2, verse 8. First person get there, win a dollar. <laughs> Electronic Bibles don't count. Third book from the end of your Bible, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. From the New Testament, I'm sorry, I'm from the Old Testament. Haggai, chapter 2, verse 8. Anybody got it? What does it say? All right. The silver is mine and the gold is mine. Said the Lord of hosts, come Zion, escape from you who live in the daughter of Babylon. For what is it that the Almighty says? I'm, I'm sorry, I was in another passage. He says, um, this, uh, this is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while I, was once, uh, while I will once more shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, I will shake the nations. What is desired by all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord God Almighty. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. He's saying everything. He's reiterating a reiteration of his glory, but he's saying everything belongs to him. He's saying the cattle on a thousand hills belong to him. The silver and the gold belong to him. The bulls of the field, when he talked about the uh, previous passages, he says everything. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. And so this idea that the people had come up with that God needed them to give to him, he was reminding them, I don't need you to give nothing to me. So if I was hungry, I wouldn't even tell you, right? And so what, what the Lord is saying, don't maximize, don't think that this giving thing is so huge. And I think that's one of the mistakes we made in church. We have made giving king. We made a king. I mean, we have made, you know, we have made three offerings in church, lines in church, Folk who give $1,000 come first. Then folk who give $500 come second. So the more you give, the more prominence you get, right? Right? We just elevated. I, we were in that thing, and they were talking about, then they said, and everybody else. I was like, well, I guess my little $4 that I'm about to give don't mean nothing. But Jesus did the reverse of that. When he saw all of the people bringing their temple treasury there, he didn't pay attention to, to them. He said, that woman also, she gave the widow's might, right? This was the sermon I preached at uh, uh, Mother uh, King's uh, eulogy. He saw them, but he saw her also. And I tell people, 
Don't you think for a moment that God is overlooking what people give out of their heart? He says she gave out of the abundance of her heart. They gave out of their wealth. She gave out of her heart. The Lord watches the heart. He ain't tripping about, look, your wallet, hey, he gave it to you. But he's saying if what you give from your wallet doesn't come by way of your heart, he said, I'd rather for you to keep it. And that's what was important. And, you know, the sacrificial giving, the heart. What I loved about Mother King, I told him at the eulogy, I said, Mother King showed up for everything. She was there. She was present. You know, she, she came in, she smiled, had a great attitude, and was there. I believe we're going to get to heaven and we're going to say, man, that go Mother King sitting over there. And you're going to try to go over there and speak to her and the angel's going to tell you, uh-uh, you can't come over here. No. <laughs> no, it's not going to be like that. But, but I, I just think there's a special place for people among us and we have to be careful how we treat them. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so the Lord said it all belongs to him. And it's out of the abundance of the heart and how we give it that makes the greatest difference. All right? All right. Finally, um, I want to look at the cheerful giver. Um, where is that found? Somebody know? First Corinthians what? Nine? All right. Everybody should know that. First Corinthians chapter nine. First thing I want to share with you is a piece where, where um, and I, I think this is important, uh, that we, we look at 1 Corinthians 9, starting with uh, verse 7. That's the first piece I want to look at, the, the expense of people who work in church. This is something that I instituted in our church a long time ago uh, that does not just apply to me, right? And I tell people this that God wants the people who do, who do his work, uh, and we'll go to 2 Corinthians 9 after this, the cheerful giver, but God wants people who do his work to be well taken care of and that we should not ask of them to do anything at their own expense. One of the things that I would not do, what, where are the people who went on the first uh, National Baptist Convention Sunday School Congress with me? Where are they at? There's a few of y'all still around, Lamont, Terica, who else? John McKay. Yeah, I remember. So we go, and we get a nice big bus, right? Oh, man, we rolling. We we'll go to Houston, or what was it? Was it Houston, Texas? So we go to Houston. We're on this bus trip. So we pull up at the hotel, and it's a nice hotel, right? And so I get off the bus, and as I'm getting off the bus, they're getting ready to go, you know, get the check-in process started for all of us. All the church members stayed on the bus. Why are you laughing, Terrica? <laughs> Terrica remembers this, right? Tell them the story, Terrica. Okay. So, basically, what used to happen, uh, the pastor used to stay at one really, really nice hotel, and the members would stay at a different hotel that was nowhere near um, the pastor's hotel. So, when Pastor got off the bus, we stayed on the bus because we assumed that we were going to another hotel. And I came back out after I told people we were here to get all that stuff. And I said, why are y'all still on the bus? And they said, 
oh, we don't stay at this nice hotel right here. I said, yes, you do. I said, if I stay here, then you stay here, right? And then they said, really? And then somebody, I think it was Juanita James, hollered out, Lord Jesus, we done moved up. Hallelujah. <laughs> and we had a great time. But here's what I'm saying. That what's the difference between your service and mine? What's the difference between the God that I serve and the God you serve? So we don't muzzle the ox that treads the corn, even if it's the Sunday school teacher, right? So we got to start thinking in terms of church workers and those who go on our behalf as being worthy of what the expense is. We should not make them go at their own expense, right? You go on a trip and you drive your car, most of us at least, you get to turn in mileage, don't you? So why would I make Nyron or somebody go to a conference and drive his vehicle and I'm not reimbursing? That's not right. And when we change, and I'm gonna tell you something, when we change that paradigm and, and put it in place, the Lord blessed the church. He blessed us because he saw we were gonna do right with the resources and be right towards people. And so in the giving model from the heart, you trust God. You trust God. Now, if you can't afford to do it, then don't do it, right? Don't be out there trying to be big when you're little, right? Y'all catch that on the way home. Big done got a lot of folk, a lot of little folk messed up, right? Wait till the Lord tell you it's your time. 2 Corinthians 9. 2 Corinthians 9, all right? This is about giving and generosity. All right, Paul is taking an offering. Go to verse 1. There is no need for me to write to you about this service to the Lord's people, for I know your eagerness to help, and I have been boasting about it to the Macedonians. This is the Macedonian miracle, the Macedonian mission where Paul is raising money, and this is a gift. This is not a tithe. This is not a tithe. This is a gift. This is a gift offering. He's been telling the Macedonians uh, since last year, you are in okay, are ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. Verse 3, but I am sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow. He says, so now I'm sending them to get the offering that I've been boasting about but that you may be ready, as I said you would be. For if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements in the, uh, for the generous gift you had promised. Then it would be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. So Paul is sending an advanced team to go over. He said, I've been bragging on y'all. I've been telling them how good you are. I've been telling them what you're going to do. He says, so I'm sending some people there to, to prep and make sure everything is well because it would look really bad if we came and we brought the team and then found you unprepared. Uh, this happened with PFI, uh, the group that came and had, they sent an advanced team and the advance team came down here, looked around the church, and said, well, what? And then when they left, they went back bragging. Oh, my God. 
the people at First Baptist Church are just whatever. I mean, happened with another group last week with MLGW. It happens with people all over because when they come here, they have heard about uh, our generosity, our kindness, our, our way of service, our way of doing things, and then they come to see if it's real. And then they leave and go back and say, man, it's better than we thought it was. But that's all they were doing. God loves that generosity, and we just believe our building, we believe our ministry, we believe that what God has called us to do is for the advancement of the kingdom. And so when something comes, just because it's not a First Baptist Church thing, we do it to support other churches. This Corinthian church was supporting the Macedonian church, right? And there are times that we do that. Uh, we might do that to help one of our sons in ministry. Um, Dwayne Breckenridge was trying to iron out stuff at his church, and he was trying to... Um, build his ministry and so forth. And we had, how many vans and trucks, Craig, did we have? Uh, like five or six, the, the trucks and vans and stuff. We had like five of them. And we had one little van that we wasn't using that much. And so one day we just uh, had some, uh, who was it, Fred Norton and? Me and Fred. You and Fred. And went over there and just told Dwayne, hey, Dwayne, we brought you a van. You can have it. Man, them folk cried and shouted like we had went in there and gave them a million dollars. But when you're trying to get people to church, a van is worth a million dollars, right? They have been praying about church transportation. They have been praying and fasting about getting a van, and they couldn't afford it. And here we are. God put it on our heart and said, you got too many vans. And we looked at it, and look, we were just trying to get one of them off our insurance. <laughs> and to bless somebody. But we prayed for who it was, right? We've had old furniture. And we prayed about who it was who was doing good work. And we called them and say, we got some pews. We got some chairs. Ty came in here one day and said, we got too many pianos. He said, let's find a ministry to bless, right? We were supporting the gospel. We were supporting the gospel, Right? Uh, John McKay, when he was chairman of the Deacon Board, I can tell this story on John. I was going out to preach, right? This is where that truck, uh, uh, muzzle not the ox that treads the corn. And he checked with Mary Taylor. He said, Miss Taylor, uh, where are they putting the pastor to preach? And they said, well, they got him at some hotel over here. She, he said, no, no. He said, our pastor always put him somewhere safe, always put him somewhere nice. Always put him somewhere where we know that, you know, he's okay. And if they don't pay for it, we'll pay for it. That was John's commitment to his leadership team to say, we send the gospel. He said, and if they don't do, and, and they'll send back a check to the church. But he was, now, get this. This was right on the heels of a pastor from Memphis being killed in New Orleans. And so his heart was large enough, and his leadership team, they were gracious enough Say, we're not going to jeopardize that and send our pastor out on that kind of stuff. I'm waiting for the new chairman of the deacon boards to say, pastor can fly first class. Because <laughs> them exit row seats, nah, I'm getting a little old. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but the idea of it is, is that the generosity to the ministry and the support of ministry, it's not about a lifestyle. Please get that. It's not about trying to support, does God want me to live like this as the man of God? God wants all of us to live within our means in whatever we do. 
And we need to quit manipulating folk with that kind of uh, jargon, right? Verse 6, remember this, whosoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whosoever shows generously, bountifully, will reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided. Where? Where is that giving coming from again? Every time we see this giving thing, this tithing thing, this, God is saying it's from the heart. And you should decide that. In your, that's about giving. Tithing is prescribed as a tenth of the first fruit. Giving is from your heart as you have prayed about it. So pray about your giving. And look, when you're in church and folks stand up there saying, I saw seven this morning. And I saw seven and the Lord showed it to me three times. Seven times three is 21. Just, hell, all he's doing is good math. That's good math, right? You sit there and pray. I'm, tell, I'm, I'm helping y'all. I'm helping y'all. Because y'all have been at places with me and y'all said, we watch your face, man. And I'm telling you, watch my face. Because if y'all see me going... I ain't telling you what to give, but look, don't you let nobody manipulate you into giving. You know the word. What does it say? Each of you, that Paul is coming to lift an offering. That's his sole purpose for coming here. He's sending the advance team. He's sending the people there to lift an offering for the Macedonian church. They have gotten on hard times. And he's saying, look, God loves a cheerful giver. If you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. If you sow generously, that's true. That's the reciprocity law of Scripture. You reap what you sow. Right? That's just that's all he's saying there. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart, not reluctantly or what? Grudgingly or under compulsion. Don't let nobody stand over you and browbeat you into giving. Brother Park, I just see that now, you know, you, you know, that's a nice gold iPhone, and if the Lord has blessed you to have those gold iPhones, and that's a very nice suit, and those, you can do more, Brother Parker. You can do more. You know, I, I just believe the Lord is calling on you to do more. It's a nice watch, Brother Parker. You know, you can do more, right? I had a pastor tell me one time, this is true, that uh, he just felt like that the Lord had put me in service of ministry and that I could do more. It had also been released in the paper that week that I had a new job. You know what I said? This brother read the paper. That's all that means. Lord ain't told you nothing because you didn't even know me until that article came out, right? I'm just believing that the Lord is going to send some people like you over here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He is going to send me over there to help your people out of bondage. All right? God does love a cheerful giver, but don't read past that. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly. So in other words, there's two sides to this. Don't give it reluctantly, but don't give it under compulsion. Right? Don't be browbeat into giving. All right? How many of you have ever had a, a sour taste in your mouth about that kind of thing? Right? Yeah. It's okay. 
I still have a, a staff member here who asked me, he said, it blows his mind. Uh, and I'll tell you who this man's. Man's came out of a Church of God in Christ Pentecostal uh, background. He said, it blows his mind that we only lift one offering here. He said, when I first came here, it just blew my mind that all y'all did was one offering. He said, and you just get up and say, all right, it's time to give, and ushers will give envelopes, let's pray. And you say, pray. He said, and then we do so much. He said, how do you do it? I said, because I am not going to browbeat people and manipulate people, right? You know, into giving. I went outside and counted the number of Mercedes on the parking lot. <laughs> ah, most sudden, ah, you know. God does love a cheerful giver. Verse 8, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So what is he saying? As you give, God will, this is where they attach blessing to giving, right? He said, look, don't worry about, because I will say this. There have been times that I have been uh, in the pulpit and praying about giving and the Lord told me to give more. He said, no, I need you to give more. I'm like, whoa. You know. Then I've been times, Alicia's been sitting in the audience, I tell her, write a check. Write a check. It was bigger than what they were even asking for. But if, the, if you're praying and the Lord said, this is what I want you to give, Right? I make sure I wasn't sitting beside nobody that he met. Lord, did you really mean them? Did I what? Let me lean over here. Maybe the Lord meant for that word to go to you, right? This is what I want you to give. And so I would give it. But what he says right after that verse says, look, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need. So he's not going to take from you what you need because you have blessed somebody else, Right? And so you'll think that you have a need, and you'll say, well, no. And here, here's what I got for us right here. Don't let need get in the way when God is teaching blessing and giving. Because if you start looking at your need, you're going to disobey what God is saying. God may tell you to give more than you think you have. He may tell you to give more. Like You might need $300, and the Lord might say, give $400. And you're saying, that don't add up. Don't add up in God's math is always, grace never adds up. So you give out of obedience and what the Lord says for you to do. And that's why it's important to know you can hear the voice of the Lord in your heart. You got to hear it in your heart. You got to know the voice of God. One of the greatest testimonies I had, and this was, uh, I loved him for this. I had the, the benefit of having uh, lunch with Bishop Patterson uh, before he passed on a couple of occasions. And I asked him the question. I said, Bishop Patterson, tell me your greatest successes. He said, humble man. He said, I don't, I don't know if I've had any success. He said, but I can tell you my greatest failure. And when he started that conversation, man, what a blessing. He said, my greatest failure was that I exposed my congregation to someone who manipulated them in giving. 
He said, and I stood there and allowed it to happen. He said, I told them, that, that person, he didn't tell them. He said, but that person got up. And, you know, they were paying that person $50,000 just to be there. You know. I don't get that much when I preach. Don't nobody ask me for no offer. <laughs> but they were paying them like 50 grand. Right? This person flew in on their plane, left their plane on the tarmac, preached, and went back and got on their plane and left. But they got up and they lifted an offer. And here's what they said. God told me to tell you to give it all tonight. You're in trouble. You need it. You need something. But you're not going to be blessed till you give it all. And they start giving. Literally. He said, the person said, bring your jewelry. Bring, yeah, y'all, I'm going to do that to Nick this Sunday, y'all. I'm going to wait till that Sunday y'all got that right stuff on, though. No. I've been waiting. I looked at that. Some of y'all been wearing that costume stuff. I ain't going to do it on that Sunday. I'm going to do it on that Sunday when I know you got that show enough bling on. Hey, I felt it. But no, they told, and literally, Mance testifies to this truth, right? Mance was there that night. That person said, bring you, and they said they were bringing watches, rings, jewelry, laying on all. One lady gave all her money because she needed a blessing, right? She needed a blessing. And look, he said after church, two things. Number one, what am I going to do with all this jewelry, right? You ain't know what to do with it. Number two, that lady, one lady came back a few days later, and she said, Bishop, what's wrong with my faith? Why do you think she asked that question? Because what she had been promised was going to happen in seven days. Here's what I can tell you. I can, I'm going to prophesy to everybody in here right now. You know what's going to happen in seven days? It's going to be Sunday again if we live. That's about the best I got for you right there. I can't tell you nothing that's going to happen in your life in three days. Told them, in seven days, this is going to be here. In seven days. Now, I'm not saying I don't believe in prophecy, but I'm saying in seven days, it's going to be Sunday again. About all I got for you. I can be sure of that. And so, in seven days, you're going to be blessed. You're going to be delivered. And it's all going to be, the yoke going to be destroyed and this. And okay. And so, she gave everything. So, after seven days, her eviction was in process. She had nowhere to live. They said, now you can't pay part of it. You got to pay it all. When eviction starts, you're no longer in negotiating stage. And she thought it was her faith. She said, what is it about? I didn't believe. What did I, I didn't do something right, right? She took the money she could have probably paid on the debt and gave it, believing that by this manipulation, God was going to do this. Bishop Patterson, out of the kindness of his heart, you know what he did. He paid for it. He said, but I realized that I had allowed that to happen to the people that I served. And he said, never again. And I wrote that down. And that's why I don't let in and everybody preach here. That's why I don't let nobody get up and take no offerings here. That's why I don't let nobody get up and do all. Because people are vulnerable. And I know most of y'all are, you know, wise beyond measure and know that. But there may be somebody on that particular day in this congregation. I don't let nobody come here and sell no tea to make you lose weight. 
I ain't letting nobody come here to sell you no, uh, no, and I ain't against nobody who does it. But people get in these schemes, you know, used to try to come to the church. We're going to sell life insurance. We're going to sell law programs. We're going to sell tea to make you lose weight. We're going to sell pills to make you grow hair. I mean, we're going to make, we're going to sell out. And if you get three people up under you and they get two people up under them, you're going to have a check coming to you for the rest of your life. And they standing there with a hole in their shoe. And I'm going, wait, 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 this don't add up. So I have to protect my congregation from that. Because people are vulnerable, right? And that can happen, and it happens a lot. And people love to come to church for that kind of stuff. They love to come to church. So don't do stuff out of compulsion. God is able to bless you abundantly. If he tells you to give, then, then do that. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Uh, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving service to God. Listen, that's simple. I put it this way to folks. When God sees a trustworthy place where he can trust you to pass on what he gives to you, and not keep all of it, he will continue to supply seed to the sower. That's what the scripture said. It said, he who supplies seed to the sower, right, he'll keep on giving it to you. And so all you want to do, look, let me just read it one time. Um, this service that you perform, uh, no, I'm sorry, verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge your harvest of your what? Righteousness. It's not attached to your provision and your prosperity. It's, a, it's accounted to you as righteousness, right? So he's saying, if I found a righteous heart in you and you will keep on blessing folk as I bless you, then guess what? You're going to be all right. I love to be the conduit by which it flows through. See, one of the things that most of us want to be is we want to be the re uh, reciprocal end of everything. And we think we want to get it all and get all we can and then can all we get, then sit on the can. But see, if God lets you, if it just let it flow through you, that's the blessing right there. See, the more that flows through you, you get to live out of what flows through you. You do know that, right? It ain't no way for you to get it to nobody else if it don't come through you. And so the more God increases your flow, the better off you are. I'm thankful for a strong, good flow. Amen. God, just let it flow through. God can trust you with his resources. Dead sea is the dead sea because everything goes in and nothing comes out. But the Sea of Galilee is called the Sea of Life because everything that flows into it flows out of it. It adds tributaries annually. It opens up another stream. God help. The Dead Sea, the dead sea hasn't opened up a stream in, in, its, in the years of being there. But the Sea of Galilee, when, when, when the topographers go back and look at it year after year, they said it has opened up another stream. So the streams open up streams. And so they have to keep on redesigning the map because the streams keep opening up streams. You know when the streams keep opening up streams and they have to redesign the map, you know what that's called, don't you? Enlarged territory. That means that what, what, was, what you saw last time, you ain't going to see that no more because from the source that came to me, 
I gave freely, and then that free source gives freely to other sources. So watch this. If you are a giver, you teach your children to give, your children become givers, then they give to other folk. But guess who God gives it the righteous credit to? He gives it to you because you were the original source. They're flowing in righteousness and growing in righteousness, but they were taught the generosity by you. That's so why I, 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 you know, I look at my kids. They're generous. My kids ain't going to never have nothing. Keenan is going to be the brokest, richest one of all of them. Keenan will give you the clothes off his back. Saw somebody walk around with some shoes that I gave him. Those nice shoes. Yeah, Keenan gave them to me. Just like Keenan. But guess what? I talked to somebody the other day. And they were talking about, I got to drop some shoes off for, for Keenan. So what kind of shoes do you I got him a pair of Gucci's and a pair of Salvatore uh, uh, Ferragamo's. Uh, them some seven, eight hundred dollars shoes. Why? Because he's a giver. And he gave away something that was dear to him. And God gave him two of what he gave away. Better than what he originally had. I wish my foot would fit them shoes. The guy said, I bought them and they narrow and they too tight, so I'm just going to give them to Keenan. I said, lucky duck. <laughs> but it wasn't luck. It was because the one who supplies seed to the sower, he said, look, sower, if you sow the seed, I'll give you some more seed. I'm done. Can I tell you my first sermon? The sower soweth the word. First sermon I ever preached was about sowing. And if the sower soweth the word and he sows it generously, God will give him more word to sow. Right? And he gives me more word to sow. I have a greater understanding of his word today than I had when I first started sowing it. And the more I sow it, the more he gives me. And look, can I tell you what? As I do his will, whatever comes with doing his will, it increases too. And I'm here to tell you, I said, I said it, you can't be God-given no matter how you try. And if you do what the Lord tells you to do, the Lord knows how to bless you better than you know how to go get it for yourself. Amen? That's my talk about tithes. I'm through. I'll see y'all in church.